Welcome to the Erasing Shame podcast. We are erasing shame about mental health by having honest talk for healthy living. We are so glad you can join us. Hello. This is our final episode of the Erasing Shame summer series. We've been talking about mental health and we've consulted and interviewed a lot of therapists and their stories are really touching. And as well, we've also interviewed some ordinary Asian American individuals who struggle with mental health on, the, on their themselves. Uh, and here we have the creator of Erasing Shame, who is DJ Chuang, who also happens to be my dad. And so, and your name. And I'm Jeremiah, and so his son, so Jeremiah Chuang, and we're also going, we're going to be talking today about what it's been like for me to grow up with DJ because he has a mental health disorder. But we're also going to talk about the history of erasing shame and how we got to this point. And so, uh, what was your idea with erasing shame and our tagline, having honest talk for healthy living? Well, the erasing shame idea came from actually uh, like five years ago. So those of you that are technically savvy, you can search the history of the domain name and see that it was registered back in 2012. And uh, I wanted to create a place on the internet where we uh, as Asian Americans and we in the human condition can talk about the things that hold us back from healthy living because shame is something that causes us to hide. And when we hide, we hold back emotions and thoughts that will come out sideways and uh, it's not healthy. And uh, Brene Brown was one of the persons that we quoted a lot in season one uh, when we launched in February of this year, uh, February of 2018, for those of you that are watching uh, months and years after this video was created. Um, and uh, one of the things that we learned from Brene Brown's research about shame is that uh, the way you, you erase shame or reduce shame is to talk about it. And so having a conversational format we thought was very important to help us find voice and find healing for healthy living. Very cool. How did you go about finding the therapists and coming up with sort of different topic ideas that you wanted to tackle? Uh, we kind of went week to week. So it was a weekly uh, recording session here on Facebook Live. And a couple of the running assumptions were, uh, what can we do with no staff and no budget? Because this is too important of a topic to hold back. We didn't want money being a barrier. Uh, we didn't want production value being a barrier. And we just felt the urgency of addressing the issue. But it wasn't something that I could address by myself. Shame is very much a relational thing. And so I needed to find a couple co-hosts or you know, people to uh, be in conversation with me. And so I was very grateful that uh, a therapist named Eunice Lee, who's Korean American, uh, was willing and able and passionate about joining me for this weekly conversation. And so uh, starting in February, we launched on Facebook Live right here. Uh, we're recording this on Facebook Live. And uh, we just started peeling back the different layers of shame from articles we read, from our own personal experiences, and from people we knew. So uh, we don't want to make this an elit elitist or expert kind of talk, although we do have some uh, 
special guests on our podcast, on our show that are experts in their area, but we also wanted to have normal everyday people. So we want to serve the 99% and give them a place to tell their story and through telling their story, begin to experience erasing shame. That's very good. It's, I definitely agree that it was really cool how different Asian American individuals come together to help make this thing happen. And I like the folks you have on being more grassroots and really helping us share our stories so that we can listen to each other and go in empathy. What was one of the highlight stories that you heard from uh, this whole process of doing the Facebook Live series or from doing the summer series that we did? Well, every episode has been special, uh, especially during the summer series because we were uh, very grateful to have received a mini grant of $5,000 from the California Mental Health Service Agency and uh, we were able to write a grant and tell them about this summer series so that we could reach uh, the young adults and college students in uh, Los Angeles County uh, with this uh, raising awareness of mental health, especially for this group of people that are we believe are underserved. And uh, we uh, really um, worked hard. It was like crunch time. So Jeremiah, you're mm -hmm. in college. And so you understand cramming. So we crammed a yeah, lot right. in less than a month to produce a series of 10 videos. And uh, we shot it in two days and editing took, took weeks. So through this process, I've grown a much uh, deeper and greater appreciation for those uh, people that work on production of videos and audios. And so uh, I got to do some of that hands-on. Um, grateful for people that jumped in to help as well. So um, it was quite an experience in producing the video, but also hearing the stories and the interviews. And first of all, I want to thank you, Jeremiah, for being the uh, host for yes. all the interviews, because I wanted to uh, convey that this is a conversation that young adults need to have and not something that somebody that's old like me, <laughs> not in the right generation. But I, I also do want to be that uncle or that relative that um, blesses and affirms the next generation and uh, show them how to live a honest and healthy life. Because uh, sometimes for people that grew up in certain family contexts, um, particularly Asian American ones, but all of our families have our quirkiness, but sometimes um, the quirkiness is actually harmful. And so uh, we wanted to share stories of people that were able to um, find a way out of that towards healing. Uh, not that we've become perfect, but as we move towards healing and health, it, it's a good thing. Um, so one of the most, um, again, I like I said, uh, every story was very meaningful to me. One of the one that was most meaningful for, for me was uh, someone named Hannah. So check the show notes uh, and look back at Hannah's episode. Uh, turns out she, her interview was the second most popular video mm -hmm. to date. And um, she was a little reluctant, a little hesitant at first about being interviewed because she's never told her story in such a public venue because this is going on the internet. It's not yeah. restricted to a room 
um, for a workshop session or a testimonial. This is going out on the internet. And um, she, she uh, did very well in telling her story. Uh, we, we gave every interviewee and storyteller the right to remove any portion of the video that they uh, weren't comfortable with going on air. And that's, that's okay. Um, but the parts that they were willing to share were uh, very grateful for and want to hold that with um, sensitivity. So uh, for her, after she did it, uh, she, she told me that in telling her story, she experienced this um, uh, lightness of being because she no longer has to carry the weight of uh, her struggles with shame and secret. And that's exactly what uh, we wanted to do here on Erasing Shame, provide a safe place for people to talk about how they're stepping out of shame and experience that erasing of shame, having this honest talk towards healthy living. Yeah, and I remember Hannah said she experienced a feeling of relief from sharing her story. And so relief is what we hope to offer by starting these conversations and by sharing these stories of uh, Hannah as a therapist, so sharing the stories of therapists as well as of ordinary people and especially young people like me, uh, we experience mental health issues and they seem to be growing more numerous to be affecting more people in America. And so that's why we need to be more connected to each other and we need to share but also listen. And so I really enjoyed the opportunity to listen well through interviewing uh, in this Racing Shame podcast. And so... So because, let me ask you a question. Oh, what what yeah. did you learn through the process of interviewing? Because you're only 21, I'm 52, so I've had a bit more life experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say uh, I learned a lot from interviewing because uh, this was my first time doing that. And it there was this quote I always heard that the art of listening is about asking the right questions. Mm. And so uh, I got to learn with hands-on experience how to ask the right questions and how to use my tone of voice to show that I was listening and to maintain my interest in people's stories, even when sometimes it can feel uncomfortable because we're talking about real things. We're talking about the shame that people feel, whether that's um, a shame that they're carrying from things they've done or if it's things that, that's been done to them. Mm. Uh, I really learned how to be more compassionate and empathetic mm. by listening and by uh, trying to help them understand their story, helping them piece it together. And, and I think that's been a key lesson that I will learn so that I can share my story even from, even if I'm not facing severe mental health issues right now, sharing my stories of growing up with you and of maybe future issues I would have, I know that it will be important for me to unload my shame with people I trust and to hope that my story can help other people feel relief. I want them to know that they're not alone when they struggle this and uh, that there is always help and that there's a path forward to recovery. Mm -hmm. And maybe one thing we should qualify here is that we are not encouraging people to be shameless and just blurt out anything that they're uh, wrestling mm -hmm. with or have had um, shame done to them or shame that they feel themselves about whatever problem or struggle they have in life, but finding a safe person in a safe place, uh, someone that you have a relationship or that you have trust with 
to begin sharing and exploring the weight of the feelings and thoughts that hinder you from healthy living. So I uh, just wanted to add that little qualifier because mm -hmm. for people that have maybe never shared their shameful issues, whether that's a disability, whether that's a bad thing that they've done or a bad thing they feel about themselves because of their weaknesses or uh, bad things that um, their family or friends have said, uh, words, words actually are more harmful than sticks what's that saying sticks and stones rape my bones words will never hurt me that that saying is wrong because words can really hurt yeah it's actually kind of backwards words do hurt even more than stick and stones because stick and stones that you can heal from that physically but um, mm -hmm. when words are embedded in your heart and soul they can stick with you for years and years and years uh, and fester and, and really harm people we've seen in our lives and um, really want to encourage you um, all of us to not hold experiences of shame in our life and find those safe places and safe people to talk with and certainly therapists mm -hmm. are the professional people and then a mm -hmm. good friend would be a good friend or a good relative uh, if you have access to those would also be a safe place mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and that's a great time to start talking about what you've experienced with mental health and how you've uh, learned to share with safety uh, with people that you trust. And so uh, would you like to share more about uh, what it's like having your condition or when you discovered it? And then, okay, yeah, I can start with that. Well, let me um, share briefly since uh, we have a limited amount of time and I don't want to make this whole episode about me. <laughs> yeah. But I grew up in a traditional Chinese family. I came to the U.S. when I was eight grew up in a little town uh, named Winchester, Virginia with 20,000 people. And we were one of a handful of Asian Americans there. And this is back in the 70s. So pre-internet, pre-cable. Um, it was just at the dawning of cassette tapes after eight track tapes. <laughs> uh, you might not know what any of those things are if you're uh, younger and that's okay. But um, in, in that time, um, I was a very good student. So I did well in middle school and high school. Uh, but when I went to college, I went to college at Virginia Tech there in Virginia. And I wanted to go there because they required engineers to have personal computers. So I got very interested in programming and coding uh, in high school. And I wanted to continue that path. and. Um, got an electrical engineering degree and worked a couple years as an engineer. Uh, fast forward, I also uh, was interested in theology. So I studied some theology and then you came along in 1997. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> <Very nice. laughs> in in uh, Raleigh, yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, so you were born in the, in a, in the South, you might say. Mm -hmm. And uh, li life was, uh, going along well um, on the surface, but on the inside, I've always carried this sadness that um, my default emotional state was not happiness or lightness or um, happy-go-lucky. Uh, my uh, internal default state was just feeling like um, 
I know I have to do the right thing. So I'm the oldest son of three boys. And so I have this um, tendency to respond with duty and responsibility. So I was very responsible all the way through uh, to almost age 30 and then uh, 30 something. And then in 2000, I had a job transition and that was uh, very difficult for me mentally and emotionally. And it kind of brought me to my, the bottom uh, of who, who I was. And so during that time, this would be 18 years ago, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, and that sounds like a pretty scary term for those of us that are not familiar with it. I, I was not aware of it myself and someone that I knew that struggled with bipolar had these dramatic mood swings up and down. So when he was up, he was very energetic. And when he was down, he was not able to even go to work and keep a job. So he kept losing jobs one after the other. And I wasn't like that. And so I wasn't sure what bipolar meant for me. Um, took about a year for me to get back to normal with uh, therapy and medication. And since that time, I've had to be very conscious and intentional about my self-care and uh, maintaining a healthy lifestyle, uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, relationally, and, and uh, spiritually, every aspect. Um, so over, over the past 18 years, um, once every three or four years, there would be a very stressful point in my life whether it was a job transition or a relocation or a uh, relational conflict. Um, I can only handle so much stress. And then when it kind of goes beyond my threshold, that's when I have an episode and then I need extra attention to slow down and to pull back and to pay more attention to my um, mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so that culminated with an episode, a psychotic episode last February, uh, February 1st, I think it was, uh, 2017. Mm -hmm. And um, that episode was so uh, dramatic that I wound up going to a psych ward for three nights. And um, it took me six months to recover from that by slowing, learning to slow down. So looking back uh, in, my, in my life, in my 30s and 40s, I actually was just running at a frenetic pace. And over the past year, I've learned to, oops, to slow down and pace myself better and to be more intentional about my self-care. And I'm very grateful for the people around me. I'm grateful for you, Jeremiah, and my wife, wife Rochelle, your mom, mm -hmm. and friends that uh, prayed for us and uh, showed their care and concern. And uh, now I uh, want to continue helping others that may struggle with mental health and don't know who to turn to and who to talk with. And uh, certainly I want to make myself uh, widely available through um, the Racing Shame podcast, as well as my personal website, my phone number and email are posted. And once in a while people will call and they will share their struggle with me because they know that I've struggled and I've been open with this. So I'm um, through role modeling, a safe person to share with. And so I've had um, a number of occasions where I've been able to offer words of encouragement over the phone or over coffee or even over boba tea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
and just say that um, there, there is hope, uh, there is healing, and you're not alone. And those are the words that help me through, and I think those are the words that can help others through as they struggle. Yeah, and, and life is more than struggle. Uh, I'll, I'll, I, I, I want to say that because there are some uh, philosophies or religions that say life is just suffering. Um, and I think the truth and reality is life is more, uh, life is so much more than just suffering. And there is, there is joy and there's hope and life is worth the struggle. Um, and it's not mm -hmm. just suffering. Uh, there is hope for a better life and a healthier life. And one of the key elements is to erase shame. Yeah. What have been, who have those people been who you felt safe to share with? Well, certainly I've had my therapist um, that I still meet with on a regular basis and by regular basis, uh, almost weekly. And I'm grateful to be able to afford that because um, it does incur some expenses. Um, and I have a handful of friends um, in my spiritual community. So I, I'm a Christian and I go to a Christian church named Saddleback. And they have a very um, friendly and inviting place for mental health um, support. So that's, that's a safe place as well. And um, I mentioned a handful of friends. So the, those are the ones that have been uh, most helpful along the way. My family, uh, my personal family of origin, it took me, or it took them a while to understand and accept my struggle through life. So that, that didn't happen instantly, but now um, after all these years, I, I, I'm more free to talk with them about it. And so I feel safer there, finally. Oh, hey, Kevin, thanks for tuning in. Cool. Yeah. So what's it been like for you as a child and as a teenager and now college student seeing a dad that struggles with mental health? What did it look like and how did you express your concern? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think growing up, uh, I always knew that my dad, I knew that you had emotional, had strong emotions. And so sometimes they would be it would be like expressive joy and sometimes it would be sadness and being low energy and sleeping a lot. And so uh, I think I, I noticed, I noticed it, but I didn't know what to do about it. And so, uh, yeah, so I guess you were emotional and uh, it didn't seem to have be connected to circumstances where it's like mm. you weren't happy because you were celebrating like there wasn't always a reason for it. And so sometimes that was confusing. Mm. Uh, but even more confusing is when uh, you would, it would happen every few months or so, mm. like every two or three months, you would start to get more tired and more quiet. And so the uh, our conversations would be a lot shorter. And so I think uh, my first response is I didn't know what to do about that, but uh, as I was growing older, I sort of noticed that the way I was handling my emotions and the way I, that I was expressing my emotions uh, was sort of connected to that confusion. So 
um, yeah, I sort of felt like because you didn't really know where your emotions were coming from, mm-hmm. then I didn't really, I didn't have a good reason to under, to go about understanding my own emotions. And so mm-hmm. um, sometimes I had unhealthy habits of dealing with my emotions by suppressing them or by, um, uh, by ignoring them. And so, uh, so I think that was kind of like, even though I was growing physically bigger and stronger and I was learning more in school and growing mentally and growing spiritually in church, I didn't feel like I was growing at the same pace in terms of my emotions. And so, um, yeah, I think that was part of difficulty, but then in college, um, when I started to hear more, about mental health, and then uh, I started going to Saddleback Church, and uh, they talk a lot about mental health. Uh, that was finally able to take my confusion and then give words to it, so that w- that would give it clarity. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's been the beginning of my journey to mm-hmm. to understand that. And then uh, also being in college, I wanted to be more proactive about understanding my emotions. And so, um, yeah, I tried to do that by being surrounded with friends I trust and and talking about things I struggle with and not just goofing off and having fun all the time. And so um, the combination of both those factors of having the personal conversations, but also having the conversations of mental health has increased my appreciation for uh, for how you hold on to hope when you're mm-hmm. struggling and for Thanks. for your, uh, your diligence with your self-care. And so uh, that inspires me to be diligent in caring for my emotions and also to be diligent in encouraging others to have honest talk for healthy living. Well, I'm very proud of you for um, taking care of yourself and also caring for me and how well you've turned out and being intentional how you live. Um, sorry, I couldn't be more of a dad to you, um, but I'm grateful you're in my life. The um, Thanks. Yeah, as much I as- I love you too. Oh, I love you too. And as much education as we've been blessed to have access to, we're privileged to have access to, you know, there's no class that you can really go to to learn about emotions. Mm-hmm. And there's not many people around us in everyday life that are free to talk about emotions in a healthy way. And um, even the language that we have for mental health and emotions, they're actually intricately connected. But when that phrase mental health or mental illness is used, it just creates a Mm -hmm. visceral reaction for many people. Uh, But statistically, more than uh, one out of four people, at least 25% of people experience mental illness or mental health uh, at least once in, um, yeah, at least um, every year. Um, I think that's the overall statistic, broadly speaking. And uh, if you don't struggle with mental health, you probably know someone that struggles with mental health. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We, we'd like to be a part of erasing that shame so that people don't hurt themselves because the consequences are very dire. Yeah, the consequences are very severe. And uh, we've seen that recently with the suicides of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. And so... Uh, that's why it's important to have uh, resources like the National Suicide Hotline and uh, also to have 
more conversational resources like this podcast. And so uh, keep an eye out for your friends that have mental health or keep an eye out for symptoms where you yourself might have mental health issues. Do you want to talk about a friend or two of yours? Uh, no, it's all right. Okay. Um, yeah, but in short, I can summarize that uh, one of my friends took his own life a few years ago. And so, mm. so, so mental health is definitely an issue that has affected me. And so mm. I don't want it to affect any of you. And so mm. you have to, um, yeah, be resourceful and open up conversations and mm -hmm. give the listening air. Yeah. yeah, I was very encouraged this week. Someone added a comment. Well, actually, two things. Somebody added a comment on YouTube, and then someone sent a message into our uh, email inbox at erasingshame.com and just thanked us for making these uh, videos and making this podcast to talk about uh, erasing shame as Asian Americans for Asian Americans. And so it was very meaningful for, I believe it was him, it was very meaningful for him to recognize that there's hope and that he's not alone and he's taken a step towards better health. So that's for, for all the effort that we've put into this, if we can just help one person, and we believe we've helped more than one person, but if it was just to help one person, it would have been worth the effort. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're after. We're not after big, big numbers. Um, if, if that happens, that's great. If you believe in what we're doing and want to come alongside and help us, we can use all the help we could get. But um, it's too important of a thing to um, not address with what we can address. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so we're going to keep on going with this podcast. And so this is the finale for our summer series. And we're going to have a season two starting in September. So stay tuned with that by connecting with us on Facebook and YouTube and iTunes. And like I said, we have an email. And then also we have a website at erasingshame.com. And before we uh, close out this summer series, I want to give words of special thanks to my uh, team at Erasing Shame, especially Natalie Shea, who was with us through the entire summer series, every single episode. Mm -hmm. She was the magical voice on the uh, intro and outro. Uh, describing our introducing our summer series so very grateful for Natalie and her hard work also on the uh, back end with a lot of the nuts and bolts and details in uh, processing this project and uh, um, cleaning up the uh, grant reports and then also Eunice Lee for making this uh, vision possible and being my co-host for season one and then for each of the interviewees and um, testimonies Thank you for the courage and the honesty that you shared in uh, opening up your a part of your life so that others can also experience the erasing of shame that you've begun to experience and towards healthy living. And I think through that, through that sharing of our life, it gives life to others. Mm -hmm. And thank you for um, to the Asian American Christian Counseling Service and uh, Dan Jung, uh, the executive director for your partnership in making this summer series possible. And of course, to our grant maker, the California Mental Health Services Agency. Thank you again. And thank you for watching this summer series. Please uh, like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, mm -hmm. and we would love to hear from you 
through email or through private message. We would like to um, hear from you and encourage you. Of course, we'll keep things confidential so that you can go at your own pace. Mm -hmm. And make sure to share too, because you might have friends who struggle with mental health, but they haven't told you about it yet. But by sharing the this podcast, uh, that gives them a chance to see if they're interested in it, mm -hmm. to see if they're listening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank All you, right. Jeremiah. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Erasing Shame About Mental Health. Visit our website for all of our episodes at erasingshame.com. Please subscribe on iTunes or YouTube and like us on Facebook.